This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for May 3rd, 2022. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network podcast feed or on our own dedicated Open the Voice Gate feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says sponsor this podcast, and you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. It's your old pal, Mike Spears. I am going without Case this week. He is on assignment. He'll be back later this week as we will break down and review Dead or Alive, but I'll be joined by a very special guest after this. Joining me at this time is a long friend of the show and friend to everyone, I think is fair to say. It is Alan Cunahan from Pro Wrestling Torch VIP and Pro Rest Paradise here to help me preview this 2022 King of Gate and more specifically Dead or Alive 2022. Alan, it's great to have you back. How are you doing, buddy? Mike, I'm doing great. I am delighted to be on uh, Open the Voice Gate here. I'm delighted to be stepping into the shoes of of the young boy, young K-Slow. I can't promise uh, that I'll be able to deliver stories of getting shaken down by ultimo dragon in recent weeks because like i don't leave my house but if i did that would be a fun thing to uh occur to me um but i also don't have uh crazy uh love life stories either because you know I, it's just me and sarah living in the living in the house not leaving us and uh yeah it's not as tumultuous as the roller coaster that is the love life love life of uh one case lower but uh i can talk a little about uh, a dragon gate i can probably hold my own in that regard um uh or we could just go into relationship stuff i could just like talk about like what me and Sarah are watching on Netflix currently and what we had for dinner and um, the recent home renovations we've done. We've put up some new wallpaper and, you know, that kind of stuff. If, if that's what the listeners want, we can we can give them that. You, you know, I mean, Case really shows life in your early 20s. We're bringing the mid-30s hard here tonight, aren't we? Oh, I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling the early 40s, like, really. Oh, wow. I feel like I've stepped into those shoes already, you know? I think the pandemic has really... I think I've advanced, like... It's like you land on something a Monopoly to go around the board a couple of times or a game of life or whatever you're, you might be, your game, board game of choice might be. And yeah, I think I've spun around the board a few extra times during the pandemic. And it's, uh, yeah, I've really just embraced um, slow-paced lifestyle. 
It's great. I have no complaints over it, by the way. Yeah, I mean, for me, Case is, is talking about going to the beach this summer, talking about having a new love life, talking about what Mountain Dew drink he wants to have at the beach. Oh, I'm way too going... fizzy. I'd be, I'd be up the walls if I drank Mountain Dew. Like, oh. God, no, peppermint tea is about as crazy as I'll get, Mike. Oh, I, I was going to say, for me, my summer plans, it's probably going to be hanging out on my porch, drinking a tea with the dog. Like, the, 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 that's where I'm embracing it. Like, I don't know if I'm feeling really in my mid-40s yet. I don't know if the game of life got me that way. But I did have a sixth grade, so I was 12, uh, teacher once tell me, Mike, you have the soul of an 80-year-old. Said that well, to a 12-year-old. At least she didn't tell you you're like Arn Anderson and you like <laughs> look 40 at the age of 12 or whatever. Um, you know, I, I, I'll throw this out here since I mentioned peppermint tea and in, in like drinks corner here on Open the Voice Gate is always a lively affair. Um, I've recently started putting a spoon of honey into my peppermint tea. How, how would oh, you feel you about that? Oh, I love it. Uh, okay. I I wasn't sure if that was a weird thing to do or not, but it's because I find that the peppermint tea, I like it because it it relaxes my stomach after eating a big meal, you know, things we need to, we need to consider at our age, Mike. Um, But I I do find the taste to be, you know, not as enjoyable as some other teas that I would drink, like, um, you know, your honey teas and, and, and stuff like that. So I put, I put a spoon of honey in there and I don't know, it just makes it a, makes it a little bit nicer for me i've been enjoying it no it's something for me that i take i basically drink three teas at this point in the beverage corner i will get a yorkshire gold uh british breakfast tea that's usually my uh go-to in the morning and then i'll go to a green tea with honey and lemon or i'll go to i don't know if they have this in ireland or this brand it's this brand called yogi that does all kinds of herbal teas and they do a really nice one that at least for me, I, I'm someone that my voice will go out if I talk way, way too much. And it used to be a problem when like, when I was doing the first Dragon Gate podcast I did. Or like, Greatest yeah. Wrestler Ever shows me yeah. can we talk for seven hours. <laughs> I, actually, I did not have an issue there. I think that was because my, I think I have uh, conditioned my vocal cords. But I drink this. It's called Throat Comfort. And it's basically heavy notes of licorice. And a little bit of peppermint. And let me tell you, that goes down easy. Yeah, I used to be into the licorice, but I've started, we we got like these uh, um, Christmas advent advent calendars of of teas we we got this year. And there were some licorice ones on there. And I said, look, I don't normally drink the licorice, but it's on the advent calendar. It has to be had. So I'm just going to nut up and go with it. And I I enjoyed it more than I was expecting. So, um pretty much pretty much then every more or less every kind of herbal tea will well i've some i prefer more than others but i can i can drink pretty much any and yeah anything with with a little bit of a fruity kick anything uh i like the chamomile i like uh there's these sleepy ones that you can get over oh, here sleepy there's, time tea yeah there's a few different ones i don't really even know what's in them i barely even look at them i think there's probably vanilla in them um oh. but uh yeah i i barely look at the ingredients i just know what it, what it what it turns out into is delightful and it gets me nice and, and restful for, for the night's sleep ahead. So big fan of sleepy tea. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think it says, what's it say on it? Um, on the packaging, a relaxing, 
a relaxing dip into the pool of calm, I think is what oh. it says. So it's, it's nice. It's good stuff. There's few things that I enjoy than a relaxing dip into a pool of calm. Uh, does your Sleepy Time Tea have the bear wearing the old school uh, Ebenezer Scroll Scrooge a sleeping cap and full oh, sleeping no. gown on it? No, I wish it did. My oh, goodness. The, the, that's that the American be... one, man. One of the few oh. products that America does better than Europe is the ones that have the little bear on it. Because that bear is just chilling out, man. Oh. That bear... <laughs> Is sipping its tea. It, it's in a nice like recliner too. Like oh. it, it, it is a cozy bear. So I'd say he's got some nice bear slippers. Um, oh yeah. Uh, I, I I should probably get an ensemble like that for myself. To be honest, maybe for when when I actually do turn forty, that will be <laughs> the statement outfit that I add, that I add to the wardrobe. Yeah, yeah. And case as you, I know you'll be listening to this, this is what you you have to look forward to. This is what your life will be like in about a decade or so. Just yeah. just prepare yourself talking about uh, sleepy time teas, uh, what happens when you add a little bit of licorice into your life, and all of the above. Yep, indeed. This has been, this has been a pretty hardcore show so far, I gotta say. <laughs> like, we're, really, we're really pushing the boundaries. Oh, man, we are. So let, let's get into the program. Uh, Alan, you're someone that as knowing you through the years and knowing you especially through like the pandemic i know that you are someone that has been very much a arm's length person with wrestling in the era of covid and especially in japan with the audience limitations that they have but i know that dragon gate is a company that you still stuck with with during like the last uh, 24 months with yeah, it's the uh, only one that hasn't that you say arm's length and i've tried to uh, in, in ways i've tried to be but then i keep going back in there for the hug and uh sometimes i'm lured in and the hug is nice and then i get a knee in the balls and then other times i don't even get make it to the hug and i get like a headbutt from like an all japan or something like that um but dragon gate is the one that just it lets me just keep that hug and pats me on the head and everything's okay you know um so it's yeah every with pretty much every other promotion um i'd say AEW is an exception but AEW i did pretty much stop watching for the first few months of the pandemic but since they've been back in front of crowds have been full-time on AEW. but outside when, when talking about japan specifically every promotion has bit me when i've tried to you know gain some enthusiasm for it again the most vicious bite of which being noah because i really on two different occasions during the pandemic i really started feeling good about uh, i was gonna say about the green mat but i guess it's not a green mat anymore but i really started feeling good about noah um and then both times they just turned heel on me <laughs> and this latest <laughs> time like oh my goodness like what a number they did on me it was rick flair and the horseman just turning around and sucking me in the face and three on one beat down from like i don't know michael elgin kaz fujita and mark pickering and um, (laughs) (laughs) you're staying in that tag match in 92 trying to you're waiting for the tag from rick flair rick flair finally makes it to the ring and he tags in and he beats the crap out of you that's when the sow is yeah you you picture that rick flair punch you know when he gets in the ring he starts strutting he turns around and just sucks you in the jaw like that's what i've got from from noah twice now um but uh other promotions to a lesser degree but still kind of hit and miss relationships but dragon gate 
like the first year or so it was i was i i never felt like i was down on dragon gate i felt like they were doing good stuff and making the best of the pandemic i think they were and i could really see what they were doing with their young guys coming true was really good even if the shows themselves weren't necessarily grabbing me i was impressed with how they were kind of just keeping the ship above water and you know um but then from like december of last year through to now it's just been awesome like i've loved what they've been doing and it's it's not like i wouldn't say there's been like a litany of of match of the year caliber contests or anything like that for my taste um compared to like some of the great dragon gate years like 2011 or 2013 or whatever um but that's pretty much impossible with the current atmosphere as that shows but what they have done is they've given me really significant investment in the majority of their roster and the stories they're telling with that roster and it's it's exciting to me to follow and i don't feel like i'm getting burned at any point i don't feel like i'm gonna get burned around the corner like i don't even see what the possibility like when you look at this roster and the people they have there like i don't even see what the possibility would be for getting burned it's like i've i've really solid faith in them and thus far yeah no i've just been rewarded constantly like every month in month out getting rewarded for paying attention to what's going on having an investment in different guys like they're clearly building for the future and that's so much more like when there's that tangible feeling of like i'm not wasting my time it is so much easier to enjoy a product and like it's with with uh, so many other problems right now i just can't shake the feeling that what am i doing i'm not really enjoying this show because the atmosphere is dead i don't think anything's gonna matter because they're just gonna pull the rug out from under me any investment i have with any certain rest or katsuhiko nakajima or whoever it's just gonna be chucked out the window um and i'm gonna be made feel like an idiot uh for investing in them but with dragon gate it's like i invest in i don't know dragon dia and I'm pretty confident that investment in his journey at this point is going to pay off for like the next 20 years, you know, and I could name at least a dozen other wrestlers on the roster that that same thing would apply for. So, you know, it, I really can't say enough good things about how they've handled themselves as a promotion creatively and how they've, how hard everyone has worked there um in trying to overcome the bad atmospheres by just you know bringing energy to the shows because that's something the dragon gate roster are you know notorious for is bringing the energy and that's uh you know it's it's something that's been needed uh, any form of energy that you can muster up is good during these last two years and the Dragon Gate guys have, have done their best, whether it's Genki Horiguchi just pounding on the apron, getting behind his stable mates, or um whatever it might be. Like they've they've gone the extra mile and I I think we're gonna see them be rewarded when, you know, things are back to normal a little bit. I think they're gonna I think they've 
I think their fan base has really latched on to a lot of what they've been doing. And I think they've somehow managed to create new stars during a really difficult period for star creation. Yeah, and I, I, I think that all of that kind of goes back to the point that Dragon Gate, because of the unique circumstances of the promotion and of its roster, it couldn't afford to pull a New Japan and basically spin its wheels for two years because you have... Yeah, you, Masato Yoshino had to retire. Like, he physically could not wrestle anymore. So you, you can't ignore that. And you can't ignore the fact that you had six rookies last year. You had four in the year before that. There's another four that are about to be doing their uh, their pre-show matches on local shows. So it's just something that they did just because of the uniqueness of Dragon Gate when you compare them to your conglomerate promotions and because of the reality of the aging of the promotion that like they had to do a generation shift they had to start a generation shift it and they weren't gonna let COVID I mean but with COVID like yeah of course it'd been better for them not to hold off and and done it but you're not going to be able to say hey Masato Yoshino who's in terrible pain can you hold off for two years so we can have a a full uh Kobe Kenan Hall uh, retirement ceremony for you like it's just one of those things that sadly just could not happen so dragon gate instead of saying oh we're spinning our wheels because we, because we don't want to move along here that that they did not have that uh that they did not have that choice in my opinion so what does dragon gate do they just continue being dragon gate and i think that you when you look at this thursday's dead or alive show the official kickoff of the hot season you could tell like just like Looking up and down the card, there's not a lot of matches on this show that's not that that don't have things behind it, which is usually something that even in pre-COVID Dragon Gate big shows, you will get a, a lower you'll get an undercard that will have some solid matches, but there won't be necessarily be a storyline attached to it to be getting everyone on the card. I'm yeah, this looking is, up. And- this is a. I was shocked when I read this treatise card from top to bottom. I was like, this is a way stronger card than what they would typically put forth on even like a Kobe world hall show. Like not necessarily like it it doesn't necessarily have like the main event that would be as big as, as as some of those shows. But I mean, just card depth wise, it, it, it goes a match or two deeper than your average or even your best dragon gate big shows. Yeah. And it's something that, with Dragon Gate I, and with the show, I feel like that there's kind of two things w- for us worth the talk, discussing before we get into the card itself. And I think that first and foremost is you mentioned missing the big main event. There's been a little bit, uh, I, I, I don't know if it's a big to do about it or a little bit of a huff, but the, the, the big story about Dead or Alive and Nagoya on the 5th is that there's no cage match for the... For the second time in three years, there will not be a cage match in Aichi. Uh, GM Rio Saito said, hey, we, we want to keep the uh, cage match special. We did not think that it was really, that, that there were feuds that were really at a point that should have the cage match with those kind of stakes. So we're holding off on it for when the stage for the cage match is appropriate. And it's something that I think is kind of interesting because the Aichi Nagoya crowd really views this cage match as their match and there was a big hubbub in 2020 when dangerous gate in tokyo got the cage match instead of them and 
it, it, it's something that I feel like kind of looms over the show that they they have this kind of card and it's without the uh, the the typical dead or alive cage. Well, you know, one thing I think they could be doing is setting up Nagoya as SB Kendo country. And I think if they can transition from the Nagoya crowd having the attachment to the cage match and feeling this is our thing to then feeling we get the big SB Kendo show and that be a thing for the next 10 years, you know, that... The, the talk over the weekend was that Wrestle Don Taku was like a Bullet Club show and has been a, a scene of some huge Bullet Club stuff in the, the last nine years. I would I would like something similar, um, albeit a lot better, uh, for SB Kento at Dead or Alive. And that can include the cage match, but doesn't necessarily have to be the cage match every year. Because if if they do the cage match every year, you know, you don't want to put him in it every year because that will kind of get old. But you also, if you do want to make him the focus of the show, having the cage match in there, if he's not in it, kind of takes away some of the spotlight from that. So I think it might be smarter to, A, keep the cage match as a non-annual thing going forward because, I'll be honest, I think it had... I, I don't want to say I was sick of it, but I certainly haven't been disappointed over the fact that they're not doing it this year. Uh, I And obviously the atmosphere has hurt the last two, I guess. Uh, but, um, yeah, two. The, and, and SB Kento was in it last year, wasn't he? In Nagoya, that was the one that came down to him. And, it was the 2021 that was Dangerous Gate, but 2021 was Nagoya that had him and Dragon Kid as the final two, correct? Yeah, that... That that that's the thing about the uh, cage match. Also, it was that it was that Yamato and Kai versus uh, SB Kento versus American uh, Kid. Uh, was, that last, and, was that like, last May or did that get moved? Out? No, it was May. It was May. So we're a year. Jesus, that that year has gone by quickly. That does not <laughs> feel like a year ago that they did that program. But um, yeah. So that even goes further to my point in that they've now they've done the cage match in Nagoya with SP Kento, and if they want to make that show the SPK show every year, it's good to take a break from the cage match. Have it be about him in this big, big-time Brave Gate match this year against this big star in Dragon Daya. Um, probably have him win that title match and get that big singles pay-per-view victory, and then maybe next year you do a Dreamgate match with him, or maybe you do another big brave game match or whatever it might be but you have them in another prominent position it could be Dreamgate again the following year and then the following year after that maybe you do the cage match and you have a minute then um so i think i think a bit of a respite from the cage matches is no bad thing and i think transitioning this show to being the show where sbk does big things is a is a nice transition and it will just further cement him as the king of Nagoya, when it comes to uh, when it comes to Dragon Gate and really uh, all of wrestling in Japan, because I don't really know of anyone else that's a a big Nagoya superstar. Sonata is he the is he the closest uh, comparison? Um, I, I would... think so. I I, don't, I can't think of anyone else bigger profile in New Japan who's from Aichi. 
Yeah, I'll take I'll take SBK over Sonata any day of the week. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, at this point, I, I I think we're all better off, you know, taking that. Uh, at, so he is not from Nagoya; he's from Nagata, which is still a part of the region. It's part of the same island of it, but Sonata even... or SBK? Sonata. Sonata's okay, from Nagata. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh wait, so. Oh, yeah you're right it was it was a g1 show in nigata i think that was the one i'm thinking of where they made the big fuss over it being his his hometown and but he had a he had an iwgp title match against okada in nagoya at a wrestle dontaku so that might be why i had to confuse so yeah the 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 runway is clear for sb kento to be nagoya's biggest japanese wrestling star ever since ever since uh dr death steve williams and terry Bamam gordy hailed from nagoya japan during the nwa tag team tournament on wcw um there has not been a star to the nagoya audience as big as sb kento is going to be well i mean certainly in comparison to dragon kid because dragon kid's in nagoya native but dragon kid gets beat every time in at dead or alive so you know i mean it, it it makes sense, uh, especially making this like the big outpost for SB Kento. I mean, we've seen over the last year how they've really made his NUT's homecoming shows in Nagoya such a big deal. I mean, to the fact that it outsold a GHC title change in the same building. <laughs> so it, it it that that logic I, I I'm completely on board with it. It and it's something that I mean he's already lost in the cage. And I think that's something that they don't like people losing multiple apuestas. Like it, they, it takes time really to do that. So like, I think the next time that they do a cage match in the Goya, that should be SP Kinto's big face turn. Like that's where it should happen there in front of his yeah, hometown. I mean, he's, crowd. He's, a, he's a young, good looking man, a young stylish man. He doesn't want to be shaving his head every year. I mean, come on. I, I mean, it is a way that I, I knew that when I was his age, I would be very delinquent in getting haircuts. So maybe that maybe they need to keep on having him in there if they think that hair is getting a little bit too long there. Uh, some would some might say I am delinquent when it comes to getting haircuts uh, these days. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I'll leave that to to, to Sarah Forel <laughs> to make those claims. Hey, I mean, much rather be in that state than in my state where I can go a month without a haircut and now no one notices a thing uh, <laughs> the, the other thing about like the big changes i think going into this card kind of plays off of the last few weeks with first uh the retirement of kness and the uh departures of gamma and super shisa when you look at this card usually you would those would be three people that would be in match zeros or match ones and it's not to say anything negative about those three gentlemen but when you look at the card and when you have those matches usually on these big shows, those are usually like the, the easiest two and a half stars move on for your life thing. It, and it slows down the card. We don't have that now. And it's something that is a part of that generational shift. It's part of that, that the fact that you want to give the ring time to your Ishin and Hashis, your Lestreas. So it, it, it's something that like it kind of struck me this morning as I was looking through the full card going like, I now see the difference now than where the company was a month ago because those three guys would have along with like Kenichiro Rai and Konomao Chikawa would have had spots on these shows but they're not now yeah absolutely like you can even a guy like Mochizuki who we know still has a ton to offer is very much on the back burner and in these uh 
um what do you what's your term you use for the mic the um rec oh, oh, the league? Su- the, oh, the, the sunday the... rec league games matches yeah, yeah yeah i love that yeah so um it's like if you're putting a guy like mochizuki into those then like some of the you know, the veterans with maybe a little less to offer maybe these days than Mochizuki, or maybe traditionally always had less to offer than Mochizuki. Um, it's it's certainly no harm having them kind of move to the side a little bit, and as you said, give uh, give some of the younger guys more of that bell time. Yeah, and it's something that I think will only pay off as they as these guys progress. I mean the. I'm someone that have an, I have a general theory that the mo that wrestlers will improve over time, but the most exponential improvement you'll have is within like the first three or four years, at least within Japanese wrestling, of debuting. So getting these these kids time now is much more important than having Gamma come out with his stick and the ball of water each time. So it, it's something that they'll pay off in the end. It's just one of those things I was kind of like going. Oh man! Usually we'd see Super Sisa come out with the T-shirt, do a European roll, and it would be sick. But now that's not the case anymore. We're in a new Dragon Gate. We are indeed. Um, there's there's still, but there we still have a couple of our our veteran faves that still can kind of, you know, have to have the rec league match as you said, and can keep their faces out there because people like like seeing them, and then there's nothing wrong with that either. No, absolutely, absolutely. So let's get into the show itself. So it it, it is a 1600 Japanese Standard Time start. That's 3 a.m. on the East Coast, 7 Greenwich Mean Time. A nice midnight, weekday midnight show on the Pacific Coast. English commentary available. The first match, the opener, which will be on YouTube for free into eternity, is for the Open the Twin Gate Championships. It is D-Courage of Dragon Dai and Yuki Yoshioka versus the <laughs> Z-Brats team of Shun Skywalker and Diamante, the New Age Twin Towers. And Alan, has there been more of a shock, and like a positive shock in wrestling over the last five months than Shun Skywalker losing his dang mind? Y- you think there might be some strategy here, Mike, in putting this as the opener so it goes up oh, on, I on YouTube forever and, uh, and maybe <laughs> not the, the match number two instead? <laughs> they are... <laughs> They are starting this show out with a gosh darn bang here. This is a, a match we've all been champing oh, at the bit for. Um, you know, I, I not to derail things, but uh, are you a, are you a champing or a chomping guy? You, you know, there's sometimes I'm champing at the bit, but if, but with this match, I'm chomping. Like we're we're getting virtually a rematch of the mask versus mask match from December. And we're, we are getting that different partners here, and they're just reviving that here. And you get Shun and Diamante. Diamante, the best kept secret in wrestling, versus Dragon Daya, the main character of Dragon Gate so far this year. And you still got old Yushi, Yuki Yoshioka, who's just been as great as he was pre excursion, except now he's incredibly jacked. It, yeah, it, he's I'm been so stoked so- for this. He's been so good, and we've mainly seen him in there against smaller guys, and as clearly the bigger guy on his team, he's been working more, not as a big guy, but he's, you know, he's he's been more of the base in, in, in matches. Um, but here he's against two guys who are both significantly taller and bigger than him. So, like, I expect to see some really flashy offense from Yoshioka. 
and for him to look really good in terms of movement and uh, and s- some spectacular stuff that we I don't want to say we haven't seen spectacular stuff from him so far because we have but I think he's just going to show a few more bows to his string or his strings to his bow but yeah you get what I mean he's gonna he's gonna impress a lot of people I think in this match I think he'll probably take the majority of the match for his team because Dragon Dia is going to come back out later for another big match so I think this is set up to be a great bout i hope the crowd or because japanese wrestling like i i think a lot of people don't realize that it is very much standard in an ex- in japanese wrestling for cards to build from the opener on to the main event in terms of importance the approach of starting the show out with a hot match is not usually one that's taken in japanese wrestling and and it's not what the fans customarily expect you know they the fans are used to coming in and and settling into the show and having it gradually build however like the u.s strategy and european strategy might be start out with a kick kick ass opener like everyone loves a good hot pay-per-view opener of like ray versus psychosis or or whatnot and um it's been it's been interesting watching the Japanese translations of the AEW shows with uh, Shingo and Desperado and I'm not sure if it's both of them or which one it was but um, there's definitely been comments on a number of of weeks from those guys about how they're amazed at how how hard the guys go in the first match of the show and how the show starts out so hot it's like such a, a foreign thing to them and Dragon Gate are putting what, like, if this was 2013, Mike, and this was your Twin Gate match semi-main event at Kobe World Hall, you'd be expecting, you'd see this and you'd be expecting a match of the year. You know, a, a Ricochet and Naruki Doi versus BB Hulk and Akira Tozawa level or uh, a PK1 versus... Um, or, wait, sorry, not PK. Uh, was, was it... Was Pac and Dragon Kid against Shima yes. and Ricochet? That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, so yeah. PK1 PK versus one. Spike Mohicans. Um, yeah, like you'd be expecting a match of that level. Here, I know they could do that, but will they get that kind of time in the opener? Probably not. Will the crowd be amped up for it with it being the opener? Hard to know, but. I think whatever the seething is for how good this match can be in this slot, it's going to hit that. I'm probably clear it a little bit because, man, it's just four extremely talented guys who we know work really well together, who will be looking to have a kick-ass match. And whatever happens in this match, I want to see a rematch at some point, and I'd love to see this as a rematch as a main event on a show at some, at some stage because... Yeah, I think put put this in in a really high profile situation, and yeah, I think it could be could be great. But it, it'll be great here starting off the show, and it'll be something that I'm sure we'll be recommending people check out for free on on YouTube after the fact, it, or live, or live. I mean, like the the other side of them doing this match first and on youtube is trying to milk out the dragon gate network buys out of this i don't know how necessarily how successful it is but 
hey, it makes things easier w- when you want to rewatch hot matches if they put the good matches in the opener because of how the network works and this thing being down in seven days. Uh, the the one thing about this, and and you bring up you wanting to see this uh, match again on a, in a bigger stage that gets me is, and it's something that only really struck me as we were started talking about this is this is still playing off of red versus masquerade and the uh, dragon dia versus dia inferno match these are all four guys who were in that mask match different sides now we've seen the chemistry between them before in a storyline match now we get to see them with different sides and honestly sides i think probably works better for a hot match i would say especially and... with how shun has been working as a heel like he's taken yeah. to that as a duck to water yeah and then you have diamante who can basically base anyone in the world and i think we'll be fine like yuki oshioka if you really want to break out some stuff diamante is there to help you out with that so it, it's really exciting and i think that this opener is going to be a great way to start off the show if it, i was if i was going to describe to um people who may be not uh, familiar with these guys but uh, have watched a lot of us indies i would say if you want to get a feel or if you want to think about what this match might be like stylistically i would point to um kings of wrestling versus motor city machine guns from roh i think there's a very much a similar vibe to the vibe those teams had together with these two the the two taller guys who are capable of doing spectacular things themselves versus the two maybe faster smaller um spectacular in uh, sync guys with incredible double teams who just move at a mile a minute and will use their double teams to counteract the size differential i I think that's what i think of that match that those two teams had in uh in new york city in, in 2010 and uh, I think something something similar style-wise is what we could be seeing here. Yeah, it, it's going to be overly a whole lot of fun. Uh, there has been a card change when we get into match two and then later into match five. Uh, Punch Tomonaga has been removed from this four-way match. So now it's a three-way. It's Sachioko Boy versus Problem Dragon Mondai Ryu and Yosuke Samaria. With Punch, it was very clear that this was going to be the comedy match here. It's still probably going to be that way, to be quite honest here, for a match to a rare four away, a rare three-way singles match though on a Dragon Gate show. Yeah, the uh, the shockwaves and ramifications of Big or Big Boss Shimizu's injury. I I had not considered the fact that they it was going to ruin my dream four-way here. Um, the is it is it harsh to call it the like. Dragon Gate scrub four way dance. Um, it was the match just... zero special. <laughs> like when I saw the Dragon Gate, first of all, like never do four way singles. I suppose maybe some of the key hunting matches they used to do, but like yeah, this was just so random. And then the four people in it, um, it was like okay, this is tremendous. I love this. I I much preferred these four wrestling each other than them mixing it up with you know people who could maybe do a bit more on the show um i just think this is a really fun thing to trot out there for five or six minutes and i had my uh, galaxy brain idea is you run this four-way on every single pay-per-view 
every big event, <laughs> you run this four-way as match number two. But but every time the stipulation is the winner faces Takashi Yoshida, and then Takashi Yoshida comes out and beats the winner in like ten seconds. And you do that exact same formula on every pay-per-view. You just spice it up by having a different guy win each time. But they all eat a pineapple bomber. I mean, Takashi Yoshida is not on this show. We perfectly had a place for him to come out here and to give old Proven Dragon a pineapple well, bomber. The, the, the man has a busy schedule. You're not going to get him on short notice. You don't book him. He makes other plans. You call him up, say, hey, Big Boss Shimizu's injured. Can you make the show? He's like, no, I've got some live streams going on. I've got a bunch of tweets I need to do. I'm going to write a blog. Um, and yeah, he's a, he's a busy, busy man. You're not going to catch him on short notice. So we have to settle for the three-way um, with uh, Sachioka Boy, Mandai Ryu, and, and Yosuke. And uh, yeah, this, this should be... Uh, Short and sweet, shall we say? <laughs> it, it will be a match that will be about it five minutes long. Match. Yeah, what will also be a match coming up is the eight man tag team oh, match. You know what I just realized? What's up with this tree? With this treeway, this what's, is what's that? the official three way dance of the best English commentators in pro wrestling who refuse to speak any English. I mean, that's it. This is the J Church uh, produce match. The winner of this match gets to permanently get that slot um, as the <laughs> alternate to Genki, who is the alternate to Ho Ho Lun, sitting beside J. Yeah, it, it's the assistant to the assistant yeah, is the winner yeah. of this match. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, this oh, the, co- the competition will be fierce in this one these guys are going to bring their a game with this on the line oh yeah no so uh professor uh gm keto uh, gm rio saito and uh president keto we know you listen uh the, 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 well, we've now added a stipulation to a four-way match here that's not key hunting so l- l- let's see who becomes the assistant to the assistant. headset hunting there's a headset, <laughs> headset hunting. Movie. that's it that's yeah. it <laughs> yeah so uh Jeez, uh, problem dragon though on commentary that 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 was a trip. That was a trip. I don't know if it was as cr- I don't think it was as just bizarre as Yosuke, but that was problem dragon basically. Uh, just no, just just having like full conversations with Jay in Japanese that Jay has to translate. You know, yeah. I think that that that's what I'm pulling for in this situation. And Sachioka, like Yosuke, is like in full gimmick, just so completely excitable and screaming into the, and it's like it it's just not conducive to uh you know a very relaxing commentary experience and then sachioko boy it's like tomoaki hanma uh times 10 with the, the raspy voice going on um so that's kind of not ideal for commentary um so yeah it's uh all three bring their their own strengths and weaknesses shall we say to the to the booth and um yeah we'll we'll see who emerges so alan as someone who's done his fair share of commentary though which one of the three would you rather be in the second seat with you (laughs) well i've had worse experiences in commentary with certain partners than that than these three and uh um i i think i'd most enjoy doing it with 
I think Problem Dragon seemed like the most chill. And I like a nice chill color commentator or co-commentator. Um, you know, I, I like to keep things easygoing uh, in, in the booth. Um, you know, there's times when you need to get excited in that big main event. And, but, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep that under your, under your hat, uh, for, for, um, a lot of the time as well. So I think, uh, problem dragon is probably the most even keeled of, of the trio. So I would, I would go with him. Yeah, I mean, he is the one that you could probably lay out, and you know that he will fill the time, whereas with Puncho Monaco, will just stay silent. Puncho Monaco will not help you out whatsoever. Oh, for including Punch? Um, yeah, Punch... Uh, well, <laughs> you know, Punch, he, he, he could... You know, he's a direct line to Shingo, so, you know, he's probably got a... He's probably got a good solid taste in wrestling. He might appreciate a nice uh, a tenru elbow from the top rope, and I would too. You know, I might actually get along famously with Punch. Like, look, if if Punch gets along well with Chingo, I'd probably get along well with Punch. I think because I know I'd get along well with Chingo. Well, I mean, that means that Punch Tomonaga will be maltreated by Alan Forel, is what you're saying. I think I'd be nicer on him than Chingo is. I'm, I, I think I've got while whilst me and Chingo share the the wrestling nerd gene, the wrestling loving gene. I don't think I share the same bully energy that Chingo that Chingo has. I certainly don't share the same sunglasses in the club energy that Chingo had in that photo that was doing the rounds oh, the other day. Yeah, and Ben, put your shirt on, man. I uh, we get you like changing your body up and that's cool, but put your shirt on, man. You're indoors. <laughs> well, if you were Ben K, would you have your shirt on? I I, I mean, I I would wear more clothes. You know, <laughs> you, you you want to you know develop the intrigue on what you got going on under there. So that, 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 that's how I would do it at least. So uh, the rec league match of the night, but it's not really a rec league match when you look at these eight people. Uh, on the vet side, we got Masaki Mochizuki. Don Fuji, a great man. Yazushi Kanda and Sushi Kondo versus Strong Machine J, La Estrella, Ishinahashi, Takuma Fujiwara. Alan, they sneaked in a vets versus rookies match on yeah, this show. Yeah, no, no. What this is, this isn't, this isn't the rec. This is the rec league guys have turned up for their, their Sunday game that they always play at a certain time on a certain pitch that they never book, but they just have played there in that slot for 15 years and they feel it's their right and they don't need to book it and they show up one sunday and there's a bunch of kids playing there and they're disgusted and they're like hey hit the bricks and normally that would work because they have a level of seniority and respect around town but these kids they're they've, they've they've been turfed out before and they're like you know we don't need to take this so there's a like the kids are playing two on two, and then they they get a little cheeky and they challenge the older lads to a, a four on four, and uh, that's that's what we get here. So what we're gonna see is um, a bunch of old guys uh, kicking the ankles really hard of a bunch of young kids who are trying to make them look foolish. Uh, they're going to try and uh, not, do you, do you know the term nutmeg, Mike? Have you come across that one? 
is is nutmeg uh similar to the ball tap uh, no <laughs> you said nut and that's where my brain went to when you're thinking about like like this no well, what is nutmeg nutmeg is when you uh when you uh are uh, approaching someone with the ball and uh, they're they're defending their position and you you put the ball through their legs and you run past them make them look like a real a real fool um and uh yeah uh, jackie funky kamei is gonna run up on uh, or sorry uh um we see uh takuma fujiwara is gonna run up on uh shuji kondo and he's gonna put that ball through his legs and kondo is just gonna give him th- th- the stiffest shoulder imaginable and knock him about two feet back into the ground and uh the the referee will will go to call uh, a foul on it, and Kondo will just give him a glare, and there'll be no foul. And uh, you're gonna have Mochizuki just pulling last Shredder down by the mask. Don Fuji kicking at the ankles of Strong Machine J. It's it's gonna be a real war out there. But ultimately, um, I think that the dirty tactics of the of the veterans will will come true. But they will be. They will be gassed at the end of the game and they will, you know, they might not make it the following Sunday. They might still be, you know, feel they might just opt for, you know, a nice carvery lunch and a few drinks um, on the following Sunday afternoon and uh, watch a bit of TV instead because, you know, they, they, whilst they, whilst they, they got one up on the young kids they know that might not always be the case and they, they don't want to look foolish. So they might just put their feet up the following Sunday. And then once they miss that one Sunday, they might start missing a few more. And then eventually that turf will be handed over to, to the young kids. That's, that's what we got going on here. Mike Spears. You know, uh, Yazushi Kanda is not going to hand that turf over easily. Like, like they're going to have to really outwork him there for that i mean you look at the schedule they have and their may is tough but there'll be some time for them to recover before the the uh, cork in the next week so maybe don fuji uh was fearing gm rio saito earlier this year when he put fuji versus mochizuki and said no time limit and don fuji had to say no you will kill us 10 minutes 10 minutes please so maybe that will come into play a little bit here the the interesting person out of the rookies in this, or like the the youngsters, to be fair. No. Oh wait, we're gonna actually analyze this. Okay, sorry. Let me get oh. back into analyzing mode. <laughs> uh, oh, oh no, I'm, like all, the first... I'm all gassed out here. Like Don Fuji will be after hey. this match uh, from my I, story. The... Yeah, yeah. No, a uh, strong machine Jay's been been putting some stuff together lately. So... I've been I've been enjoying the strong machine Jay, and I would like to say for the record. I did not sell all my Strong Machine J stock. I kept some, I kept some in the portfolio this whole time, and it's it's looking pretty good now. Hey, it's, it 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 had some lows there, but you kept you kept holding on there. Uh, there was that holding... spinning heel kick kept me <laughs> from you know. I any time I thought about s- selling it, I would I would picture that nice meaty spinning heel kick that he does, the best spinning heel kick in wrestling since Owen Hart. And uh, I've, you know, I've kept my Strong Machine J stock. I, 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 I think there's something there, and I am all for the idea of him and Ada as a no nonsense fist bumping, uh, tip of the tip of the head to each other tag team to just, you know, beat people and, and move on with their lives. I, I like their dynamic together, and Ada needs to ditch 
the Nosawa and the Peros dudes, and uh, he needs to get with Strong Machine J. That's that's what I'm looking for. I, I mean, he's venerating the wrong part of wrestling history right now. He he needs to go back to Showa. You know, I mean, maybe he needs to become a Strong Machine himself. You know, maybe th- there's a lot there. But him and him and SMJ is something that I'm pulling for a lot myself. Support for Open the Voice Gate this week comes to you from HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's number one. It's America's number one meal service. And one of the great things about HelloFresh is the convenience. Not only do the ingredients come pre-portioned so you're not overbuying or wasting food, but it's easier than ever to get filling meals on the table with a snap, like with options such as family-friendly or quick and easy recipes. The Hello, the HelloFresh chefs really know how to diversify the menu with seasonal recipes such as salmon limon and pasta primavera. And it's something that even for me right now with HelloFresh, we're, we're getting the summer months. I'm trying to look at trim, try to get ready. I, I might not be like Case trying to get ready for the beach, but you know, it's, I, I always think that Mike Spears is a bit of a summer boy. So it's important for me to be looking healthy and fit and HelloFresh is doing so. And how do you get it on HelloFresh? Well, you go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and use code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's VOW, that's VOW16 at HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Match four, uh, this is another interesting wrinkle with the youngsters on the card. We have Zebrats, BB Hulk, and Hio going up against the class of 2020. Madoka Kakuda in his first match back after injuring his shoulder last year at Dead or Alive in the... Uh, Dreamgate match that sadly was the cursed Shun Skywalker title run, but he's returning here and he's teaming with Jackie Funky Kamei. So we're getting two members of that class together and they're going up against BB Hulk and Hyo. Uh, Hip Hop Kakuda has reverted back to his real name, Madoka Kakuda. He still has the hand of God, Alan, and he still has the widest hips in all of wrestling. And I don't see a way that this match happens without either. Hyo or BB Hulk eating the hand of God and it, and that being it. You think they're going straight into a push here? No feeling out with this guy for a couple of months? You think they're going all in, making up for lost time? I think so, if only because, I mean, he was the quickest to a dream key and he was the youngest ever Dreamgate challenger before he got hurt. So they they, they clearly have had stock in him. And they made sure that he returned and made an appearance at his homecoming show and made sure that he would announce his return here. And he's put into King of Gate. Like, it had been very easy. It would have been very easy to say, all right, there. Uh, we're glad you're back, but we want to see you. It basically treat him like UT, like where they wanted to see if UT could go a year without hurting himself before pushing him. I think they might uh, not have that approach with the former hip hop. Yeah, I I'm, I tend to agree, and I I think to you know I've predicted that SB Kento might get a big win, big win, big title win on this show, and if that's the case, he probably doesn't need a big run in King of Gate. And who's his first round against? It's against Madoka Kakuda. So I could totally see Kakuda getting a big King of Gate win against SBK and moving on and you know making a little run for himself in in king of gate i 
you know, if we've learned one thing about Dragon Gate in the last two years, it's been no half measures. Um, when they have a direction they want to go, when they want to pull the trigger on something, they do not hesitate, and they're all in. So I think uh, I, I get the sense they're all in on Madoka Kakuda, and I think we're going to see uh, a real... Uh, and obviously then the question becomes, how ready is he for such a push? Like, how long has he been training? How long has he been getting back into shape for? What will he look like? Is he in great shape? How will his wrestling be? Because like, we only saw him wrestling for less than a year, so, like, and he, he certainly did rise up the ranks very quickly and showed dramatic improvement, but he was far, far from a fully formed wrestler when he, when he got hurt. So will he still be learning um, mid-push? I'm sure he will. Um, it, it's going to be... It's going to be very interesting to see how his next few months go. And obviously the main thing is we hope he stays healthy and can uh, make a real a real push up, up the card and uh, into some important positions. And it'll be interesting to see if he does get a run in, in King of Gate, where that lands him on the, the Kobe World cards in, in July. What kind of plans do they have for him then? And what kind of faction plans do they have for him? I'm very excited to see... Uh, it's just another thing to be excited and intrigued about it in Dragon Gate right now is is what's in store for Madoka Kakuda. And it's cool seeing him team with Jackie here, one of his, his classmates. Um, obviously someone he turned on in joining, uh, in joining R.E.D. Uh, when he turned heel. Um, so Jackie will have to... Uh, Jackie seems like an accommodating enough young man. Um, you know, one to leave the past in the past. Uh, seems like a forgiving young fellow, so I, I think Jackie will will be cool about this, and you know he's, he's he'll keep his eyes open. He won't be he won't be completely naive to things, but uh, I think he'll he'll be looking to form a good duo here with Kakuda and, and get a good win against Hulk and Hyo. And um, you know I, I don't see this match going super long. I think it will be uh, pretty decisive one way or the other if they go a completely different direction than we've talked about here, and they're gonna really slowly ease him back in. He's going to do the job here and then get knocked out in the first round of King Gate. Then I, I see him like eating a first flash in like four or five minutes and, and that being it. But no, I think it'll be a similar kind of time, but it will be a case of uh, Hyo eating the hand of God and, uh, and Kakuda standing tall at the end of this thing. Yeah, it, it, the, the thing about Kakuda that, that really draws at least draws my eye to him was like when he when he debuted he was the really lanky he's a former capoeira player <laughs> and he had like long tights kind of looking like like shinya aoki in a weird way and just the way that he kind of developed over that one year before he got the injury so seeing like essentially this is the start of his year two right here seeing like how like as you said like how's his training what's his body like how is that wing going for him and I think that those are the kind of the, the big things that kind of stick out to me in this match. And as you mentioned, I, I as you mentioned with Kamei, I think Kamei is a pretty agreeable guy. I, 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 I think the best way to describe him, at least through photos that Susumu Yokosuka posts on Twitter, he's very pleasant. He's a pleasant young man. 
So I, I think he might give his classmate a shot, but I think he's not going to, he, he's going to have eyes on the back of his head after what happened in 2020 with him. And that brings us to match five. So, sorry, yeah. I was on, I was on mute there, Mike. Sorry. Oh no worries. Uh, my my bad. Um, yeah, no, I, I absolutely, yeah, I think, uh, I agree with what you said there, and um, yeah, it'd be, um, I, I, they they might play up something with Jackie, kind of like you said, having eyes in the back of his head and uh, and keep keeping the head in the swivel, and, and maybe, um, you know, maybe even tease that. A natural vibes relationship might be there for Kakuda. Who knows? There's a whole bunch of different things they could do with him, and I think this will be a... We haven't really been given many hints so far. Obviously, the big thing we've been given so far is that he's gone face and gone back to his original name, but in terms of from there, where things go, we, we haven't been given much. So it's um, this match will, will tell us a lot. Yeah, no, and it, and definitely this will be kind of one of those things to keep an eye on is Kakuta in May, and as we are entering the hot season, see, just just as general stock because we have no idea, we have no idea, and that's what makes it kind of exciting for me. Uh, the last non-title match on the show, this is the match that originally had Big Boss Shimizu Punch Tomonaga is joining his former Natural Vibe partner in Kinki Horiguchi and the newest member of Natural Vibes, Jason Lee versus High End. It is the Bensuke tag team in Kagatora here. So at least to me, like I see this match that it's going to be Jason Lee's big debut in natural vibes. Uh, if you've kept an, if listeners have kept an eye on social media, they, they, you have seen that Jason has done the dances. He has done, he has dyed the back of his hair, uh, Rasta colors to fit in there, but we don't have like a costume yet or anything like that. So I think that this is going to be considered like the true debut of natural vibes, Jason Lee. Yeah, he, uh, I wonder if he's been hitting up um, Mr. and Mrs. Tomonaga's uh, dance school. So, yeah, it's Jason with vibes. I think we're all excited about it. I think we all feel good about it. None of us, like like you guys talked about, none of us were looking to add new members to vibes. But as Kay said, like no matter where you put Jason, it's a net positive. So I'm um, just a whole lot of exciting things he could do in that team, whether it's trios with the the other Young Vibes guys or maybe a Twin Gate team with Jackie doing the, the Bruce Lee tribute act. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited to see it. I think this match will be all about him. Um, even if it was Big Boss Shimizu still in there, I still think the focus would have been on Jason Lee mostly, Genki or blend into the background we might get a couple of backslides from heaven but this will be the jason lee showcase and i think he will no doubt uh, make the most of it as he does every time he's given any semblance of an opportunity in this company so yeah i think i think this will be really good um you know it's a it's a solid trio of high-end guys they're going up against i know you and case are both quite down on high-end it's understandable I still think they do good work and I enjoy watching them. So I think it should be a good match. Yeah. Uh, Dragon Kid did have on Twitter a very good high-end t-shirt, which is the most interested I've been in them. But I mean, this is the right trio to go against them, right? Like Dragon Kid and Bensuke, like they make sense in this pairing. And I mean, high-end is kind of where they're at right now. So it makes sense with everything here, but I still do really feel like this is going to be the Jason Lee show. 
it's um it's Kagatora and Bensuke, right? Right, yes. Sorry, I thought you said Dragon Kid there. Um, oh, the, yeah. I, I think I did because I was talking about the t-shirt that he uh, has. Yes. So Kagatora with Jason, I think those two mixing up could be a lot of fun. If we see big a big match on his game, Kagatora, I think those two will work really well together. I think, yeah, Ben and Jason could work really well together. Um, if, if Jason's getting the win, which I would expect is the case here, even though you know he's not got the strongest partners it would be it'd be a shame if, if he was to lose um who do you see him beating of this high-end trio if they were giving him the would it just be kagatora do you think they might put another dent in benke's armor here i mean i think or okuda's armor for that matter he's taken some falls recently yeah yeah okuda's actually the person i was thinking of because he has a little bit of a higher station than kagatora and, you know, ever since he lost two Ryzen fights, his booking has really cratered in a way, in my opinion. So I, I, I think Okuda is going to, like, eat the game of death or something. Like, like that's my expectation about this. Benke, I mean, you could easily say, like, oh, Jason is now, like, entering uh, King of Gate season on a little bit of a uh, momentum, a little bit of a streak there. And it's, it's like, oh, now that he doesn't have Shun Skywalker harassing him, every show he's able to actually you know compete at the highest level so i i, I think you can make the argument for all three members of high end taking the fall okay yeah it'll be it'll be interesting as um yeah he could do i could see the the the, the finishing stretches based on which guy it is with jason all look very different in my mind it's and oh yeah so yeah it's it's hard to predict how this match will kind of finish up but maybe it'll just be punch tomonaga eating like a benke spear and that being <laughs> it and we're like well welcome to natural vibes jason see you next time but i don't think so i think they'll uh i think they will give him the the spotlight here for sure and then we have the riku dragon pro wrestling Soul Ryu oh, championship match. I asked yeah. a friend who uh, studies Japanese, and the closest thing, because I thought when I saw the name, I thought it was like Twin Dragon, because Ryu being dragon in Japanese, I felt like that would be a nice thing. Apparently, and this might still be wrong, apparently this is the Blue Dragon Championship. So I thought no, that, that I, was you know, kind of neat. Could, if you were a Baka Gaijin like myself, you could read it as a Sour Ryu O championship match and like a sour uo sounds like a drink that yamato and uh and um what's his name the don of okinawa might oh gurukan mask mask. yeah that sounds like a drink that yamato and gurukan mask might partake in on one of their their nights out together when they're hitting the town um but yeah i'm i am excited for this match i love this match being added to the card it is like I don't want to say I'm disappointed by the Twin Gate match being the opener because for the reasons we talked about it, it, it's cool that it's the opener, but also for the reasons we talked about, that may sort of put some limitations on it. And I'm always a big fan of the two versus two tag title match on a Dragon Gate pay-per-view. It's always traditionally been the match I'm most excited for on a lot of the shows over the years. And the, the fact that the Twin Gate has been moved from its normal slot because of Dia wrestling twice, but what they've done is taken 
what could easily be a Twin Gate match in and of itself with this Ryuku Dragon match and putting it in that slot, I just think it's such great fan service and I think it's a great use of all four of these guys. I I don't see any holes in this match. I think it's going to be super exciting. Like we know all of these guys work well together. Like UT and Dragon Kid have their history. KZ and Dragon Kid um, have great chemistry. Yamato is Yamato, huge star, and is one of the greatest uh, tag team wrestlers Dragon Gate have ever had. Both his, his team with Doi, but also uh, some of the stuff he did with uh, both Kai and BB Hulk, believe it or not. And then for me, um, as much as the Doi tag team gets all the praise, I think Yamato and Shingo is like his greatest tag team he's had. So yeah, Yamato has delivered many a time in this slot. All four of these guys we know deliver on pay-per-view. They've all had match of the night candidates on Dragon Gate pay-per-views. I think they'll go out here and yeah, you might see this weird tagline to the match that it's for these titles that you might not have ever heard of. But don't worry about that. I think these four guys are going to go out there and absolutely smash it here in this. I I think this is the sleeper match of the night. Yeah, I I think that this is the 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 sleeper match of the night. Uh, KZ and UT have been so much fun together. UT having a resurgence within Natural Vibes and getting his first belt since he was a rookie has been a nice thing in 2022. And Yamato and Dragon Kid, like, they had a fun tag team last year before the formation of High End. So I can really see this. And as you beautifully laid out, Yamato, he might not be Bobby Eaton or Alex Shelley, but he is of maybe the tier right below them of great all-time tag team wrestlers. And, yeah, I mean, like, the only... The only caveat I would say about this match is a caveat I would say for a lot of stuff on the show is just going to be time. You know, it's something that's the second tag team title match on the show. It's the second out of five title matches and it's being positioned where it is there. Like, that's my only fear about this match is that it might go eight minutes. Yeah, um, that's that's a reasonable fear. But I will say if maybe eight might shortchange it, but like... If they even get like eleven or twelve, I think you're 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 not gonna find me complaining about matches of that length during the pandemic era because atmosphere wise, I think it's just way more conducive to matches that don't go over fifteen minutes versus matches that do. So, um, and Dragon Gate have we've seen Dragon Gate uh have less and less matches that go a long long time as the like they are keeping things short, sweet, and packing a punch um, during the pandemic. And I, I, I think this will, I think this will be something that if, if it is given 10, 11 minutes, I think it, that, that's all it needs to be an excellent bout and maybe even a match of the night contender. 11 minutes. I, I, I think that's what, what I'd be hoping for. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, the Open the Briefgate title match. This is Dragon Dia's second title match of the night. I guess the dead are alive this year is is if Dragon Dia is going to escape uh, Fukuoka. Uh, not Fukuoka. I don't want to think about Fukuoka right now. Uh, going to escape Nagoya as a double champion as he defends it against the guy who he beat for the title, SB Kento, in his hometown. And Alan, the big question is 
how many belts do you think Dragon Daya is walking out of Aichi with on Thursday? I think um, he's not walking out of there with two. And if he's walking out of there with one, it'll be the twin gate. I think he's losing this brave gate. Absolutely, he's losing this to SBK. I'm, I'm all in SBK winning it here in his hometown. I think this will be a crowning match for him. Um, SBK has shown that maybe in like six-man tags on Corican shows in the middle of the card or whatever, he might dog it a little bit, you know, not push himself to crazy degrees. But when you put him in a big singles match situation, like uh, the, the Brave Gate defenses he had in the last month or two of 2021, he is not afraid to go out there and absolutely smash it. The guy is so talented. He can seemingly do everything in the ring. He's got so much charisma and poise. And yeah, he's just got that ability to just kick his game into another level, it seems. And I think he'll do it here. It's curious. I I wonder if it's something he's actively been encouraged to do um, because we do... Very, like, would you agree with me that we, we do see those kind of two sides of SBK? That like there's SBK with his foot on the pedal and there's SBK not, and it, it's a very different specimen. Would, would, am I being harsh when I say that? I think that I, I think that you're being fair about it. I, I think it's something with him that always, like, if you're looking at like in baseball, there is the the phrase that they've given to Anthony Bowen, so being a five-tool player. Uh, SP Kinto has every tool, but the in-ringed max out. He has the charisma, he has the presence, he has, he gets psychology, and he, he has a great theme. I decided that's the fifth tool, is having good music. But uh, in-ring stuff, uh, we've seen him shine uh, against people like Kamei last year. We've seen him UT. like the... UT, of course. So we've seen that come out of him, but we've also seen something where it's not that it's bad. I I, I don't want to damn him with faint praise here. I would say that his floor has gone from being someone who might be lost to someone who's just pedestrian, if that's fair to say. But it is something that you could tell when like he knows the scenario he's in. He knows that it's a big-time match. He, he becomes the big-time player for that, but... You do have to wonder about this, seeing it's third from the top. It's against Daya, who he's had matches against Daya over the last four months. But I mean, do I think that those two have exemplary chemistry that would encourage him to put the foot on the pedal? I don't know. I, I don't know if I could say that at this point. Well, I, I think you'll be... I have faith that you'll be pleasantly... Uh, I don't surprise at the word, but I think they're going to... I think they're going to make you um make you very happy when they uh put on their performances as much i think this will look way more like his singles matches for the brave gate in november and december than it will some of his and it's like i i don't think i've seen the sbk match yet where i see him wrestle and i'm like oh he's he's not able to do this or he's he's whenever it's whenever it's been disappointing it's always been a case to me of oh he's just coasting you know he's getting by on his charisma and he's like doing the sbk boots in the corner and 
this kind of thing. And it's like, he's just coasting. And I'm a lot less concerned about a guy who shows incredible talent and has exhibited that he can um, operate at a world-class level. I'm a lot less concerned when he's once he's shown that with the poor performances because it's just a case of okay he's just not going all out here and especially in the current climate where you know maybe you don't want to he's had his injury issues so maybe he doesn't want to maybe maybe he's been told not to push it too hard on on a random cork and six man tag or, or, or whatnot. And in some ways it might even be encouraging because it shows a level of maturity to his game as well. That he, he's already realized that it's important to pick your spots. And like, it, this is a guy who I think they're, they should be playing the long game with because given his age and his talent, like he could be the focal point of the promotion for the next 20 years. So, like, he could be, like, his, I honestly think his his ceiling in terms of importance to the promotion or in terms of star level in the promotion is, like, Shima of, like, his best days. I, I, there, I think there's a lot of, of that in him. I think he's got that Shima confidence. I think he's got similar ability. I think he's got that charisma. You know, I to me, I think him not killing himself is probably a good thing. And it's in tune with what we've seen coming out of Dragon Gate and heard of coming out of Dragon Gate in recent times about there being more of an emphasis on uh, safety and longevity and not killing yourself. Um, because, you know, these guys who all started together in their 20s and in 1999 2000 and had no fear and no one to tell them to tone things down um because like ultimately didn't care he just was like you know go ahead and kill yourselves <laughs> make me money um so now those guys have grown up and they know hey if masabi yoshina knows hey the lightning spiral not the best move to be doing let's retire that you know i've I've seen many an opponent get hurt with this move. So um, we don't need to be doing that anymore. And things like that you hear of coming out from Dragon Gate. And it's all very much new. It's not stuff you would have heard of from Dragon Gate before. And I think it's a smart mentality. And I think that's one that if that is the mentality that's at play here, that they see a guy that they think is going to be their supernova for the foreseeable future who's already had some injury niggles they're like hey you do not need to go out there and kill yourself all the time take it easy and when you have this brave gate match with jackie and it's a big deal and we'll promote it like a big deal go nuts and have the best match you can and when he when he proved that he could do what he did in those matches I just viewed him in, in a in a whole another light, and I I think yeah he's gonna be, I think this will be another example of that. So I'm I'm pretty excited about this match. I will say I think they're doing 
Dragon Diet dirty here. General Manager Rio Psycho is. <laughs> he's doing him dirty because the guy's wrestling twice. Can you not at least put the second match on as uh, the semi-main event instead of the third from the top? Give him, uh, give him an extra match to you know uh, catch his breath and regain his his energy. Like he going going into a match with a guy as talented as SBK with that level of disadvantage already. You want to mitigate that against that as much as possible. Come on, Cyrio, uh, let's let's get this uh, let's get this changed around. Yeah, I mean, if you put him in the semi-main event, we know Nosawa wrong guy is going to work slow. So flip flopping those matches, he he would get another like 15, 20 minutes of rest here. Uh, the the thing that I the, the point that I thought you really uh, hammered home and something that I really see happening with dragon gate especially over the last like 24 months is the 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 calming down the ring style a little bit like you the dives are still there the pace is still there but like you look at someone like la estrella and as soon as la estrella started uh having some issues with some moves they yanked them out of his moveset they said no you shouldn't do that now so with sb kento like he does i i, I would say out of people in his class and out of people of his generation, he probably does have the safest uh, ring style. But he, as you mentioned, he's had some just dings and dent, and dents over the two years he's wrestled. So you don't want to. There's no reason to rush that. So I, I think you were really dead on, dead on, and with that, and with Daya, I I think it's something that th- the way they've kind of treated him after losing the mask and have made him kind of in a lot of ways, the main character of the promotion for the first five months, 2022 has been remarkable, but it does seem like his, uh, his future works out best with D courage than it does as a singles champion. So I I'm with you on this. I think that he's going to walk out with one belt, but it's not going to be the white belt. Yeah. I, I think, I think you've gained, enough in with him winning that title and making him seem special by having both belts and having a singles title i think that's like you could keep the rain going and have him build a, an impressive Dreamgate rain but i don't think you need to i think you've already got a lot out of this and i think that brave gate would be better served around the waste of sbk for the next six months or, or really even for the rest of the year at least i think uh i think you can have him dominate that division I, I think it's i think it's a good play to maybe have sbk dominate the Bravegate division before he goes for the dream gate i think there's no need to rush it um we've seen what's happened with uh kanosuke Takishita. Takeshita, I should say. Uh, not trying to, um, not trying to uh, disappoint Excalibur uh, like Joe Lanza. Um, when you're when you have a talent that young, and you just, it it's hard not to just have them on a sharp upward trage- trajectory to the top of your company. But once they get there and they've done it a few times, and they're still only twenty five. It's like, okay, what else can we do with this guy? <laughs> he's only 25 and he's already done everything he can possibly do. So it's probably good to keep 
um, some things in on the shelf for SBK and that being the Dream Gate. So I'd have him just dominate the Brave Gate division for a significant amount of time before you go to Dreamgate route with him. Yeah, and it's something that it's very clear that the company real is really high on him. I mean, I predicted that he would win the Dreamgate this year at this show in December, so it shows you how much I really know when we get down to it. But yeah, I mean, time is a luxury that Dragon Gate has with these guys, so you, you might want to pick one of them to be the Supernova winning the title Super Young, but if with SBK, he's someone that's clearly positioned as the a centerpiece of the promotion within this next generation. So there's no no real need to. I mean, he's only 22 years old, which sickens me. Sickens me, Alan. It, it's a, it's appalling. He is not worrying about what sleepy tr- tea he's drinking uh, going <laughs> to bed at night. Ah, he he probably doesn't even have like a pillow like I do. That if I sleep the wrong way, my neck goes out for a week. You know, I mean, he, he, the the luxuries of youth are wasted on them. They really are. <laughs> they re- they really uh, are. Uh, if we want to talk about the luxury of the youth not being wasted, uh, let's talk about the semi main event. Unless you've got anything else you want to hit on about the Brave Gate. No, I want I want to get into some uh, Minorita ch- chat. Yeah, let's get into this. Open the Triangle Gate Championship match. This is uh, Gold Class, uh, Naruki Doi, Kaido Ishida, and Kota Kota Minora with Minorita, the Open the Triangle Gate Champion Team Gold Class, versus Peros Del Mal de Japon, Eita Nosawa Rongai, and the Metal Warrior himself, Kataro Suzuki. And yeah, Eita bringing back uh, Peros. I love Kataro Suzuki, so I'm yeah, not. Yeah, I was. Uh, that was literally the the point I wanted to make was I was so rolling my eyes at Nosawa um, when this was revealed and this was like the, the set up to be the Triangle Gate match that I totally kind of ignored the fact that hey, one of my favorite junior heavyweights of my whole time watching Japanese wrestling is going to be facing off against three awesome Dragon Gate wrestlers on Dragon Gate pay-per-view. And it's super fresh, and I'm really excited to see how he works with them. And I think uh, the likes of Kota Minora and Kaito Ishida will gain a ton from the experience of wrestling with Kataro Suzuki. And Naruki Doi and Kataro Suzuki, they've got priors. So, you know, this is it's actually potentially awesome. And, you know, no case made the point, which is a fair point, that in Nosawa's one previous Dragon Gate appearance last year, well, he he used to do Dragon Gate a long, long time ago, but uh, um, more rec- of more recent vintage, his one appearance uh, a couple of months ago, he was perfectly acceptable and fun in, in that match. So if he holds that kind of standard here again, or even just stays out of the way and lets Ada and Kataro Suzuki tear it up with Doi, Ishida, and Minora. This could be really good, and like the goal class dynamic has really hit so far. And, and I mean, you could just use Nosawa to be trolled by Minorita, and that would be perfectly fine. You know, I, I don't think Kataro is a guy you want doing comedy spots with Minorita. Kataro's not the most expressive guy in the world, that's probably his one fault and the reason he didn't become like a major star in the last 20 years and he's just kind of a great worker um so i i don't see too much interaction between him and minorita i 
could see maybe some Ada Minorita interaction, but I think they probably will keep that to a minimum. I think they'll pair up Nosao Minorita and then they'll let the other five guys kill it. And this match could be better than you think when you see it on paper and your eyes are just drawn to those all caps and you're just sitting there looking at it disgusted. Yeah, and the thing about Nosawa, and I've said this a couple times, Alan, so you're probably sick of me hearing me say this. Nosawa is weirdly family in Dragon Gate. Like, regardless of what was happening in Noah, Nosawa, Rongai, and Toko Gurantai have showed up in Dragon Gate pretty much since Dragon Gate formed. So him being here is not a new thing, but it's something that with 2022 eyes, there's probably a lot of people who are just going to go, ugh, disgusted. And, you know, I mean, and it, rightfully so in their minds, so I don't blame them for it. I'm just wondering if Minorita getting chased by Nosawa, wrong guy, if they're going to have to have like a smoke break, like partway up the ramp as they do this. Like, I don't know what Nosawa's distance running is. Like, that's why I'm concerned about Well, you know, I do remember uh, back in, uh, this is really going back in the day, but I would say 2006, 2007, um, the Geora wrestling show that wasn't Dragon Gate Infinity, uh, All Japan B Banquet. I remember there was a an episode where we saw various skits of Minoru Suzuki making uh, his protege Nosawa run stairs and run laps around the building um, uh, to whip him into shape. So I don't know if Nosawa's kept up that level of training. I'm thinking he hasn't, you know, probably, uh, probably sits with his pencil and a cigarette and prepares for his next phone call to some 55 year old wrestler who won't uh, do what he wants him to do. And uh, is like, Oh God, I have to call this guy. Oh, here we go. And he just, he, just puts the cigarette out with his foot and just calls up I don't know Kendo Cash in for a for a conference call with Hideki Suzuki or someone like that and it's just like oh here we are but uh and uh, yeah so it's um uh, yeah I, I don't think he's up to the task of of especially in the a bigger arena like Dolphin's arena I, I don't know if he's going to be able to do too many laps of that but maybe um Maybe his old pal Masada will will get involved, and he can pass the baton on to him, and he can kind of uh, carry the load on some of that that legwork for Nosawa in this match. Yeah, it it will be a fun thing to see uh, Rinarita dealing with uh, Nosawa. I mean, yeah, you gotta be careful with him. I mean, he's he he's a scamp, and you don't want him to get bad influences. And he's been hanging out with Mel Warriors backstage. You can't let him go with Nosawa. I just, to be honest, like, they've been so brilliant and creative in the ways they've used Minorita. It's been real classic dragon system creativity slash comedy that they have done with Minorita so far. The spots, like, obviously, as they've kind of toured around, we see certain spots getting done over and over, but that doesn't make them any less genius and, like, the thing where he slides in front of Yamato and does his, his hair gimmick and, and stuff like that. It's its just so good. And whoever's coming up with the, the ideas for Minorita has been killing it. And I can't wait to see what they have planned for the pay-per-view. 
Yeah, it, it, it's something where I always had an issue trying to figure out how Takumi Hayakawa was going to translate, but having him as Minorita makes perfect sense here, and I think it'll play in really fun for this semi-main event. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing slab packs from arenaclub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, I'm setting these things off. It's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOW net. Arenaclub.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And that brings us to our main event of Dead or Alive 2022. It is for the Open the Dreamgate Championship match. Kai will be making his third defense against Asumi Yokosuka. It would not be dead or alive, cage match or not, without some wacky stipulations attached to this. Uh, Kai would only accept this match if Susumu agreed to this following stipulation. If Susumu Yokosuka loses this match, he must leave Natural Vibes and rename back to Susumu Mochizuki for the first time in over 20 years. And... Boy, is that a stipulation, Alan. As someone who I know is a big fan of Susumu Yokosuka, him going back to his real name after 20 years would be kind of weird. At least it feels that way to me, at the very least. Mike, I'm so conflicted about this main event. I'm not conflicted about my... um, 
being happy about it being on the card not at all i think it's a great main event and kai has the for any faults you might want to point out in kai how much he we spoke about sb kento having levels in terms of performance nobody has levels like quite like kai uh kai in on any show versus kai uh in a dreamgate singles match is a completely different animal might as well be a, a different wrestler entirely but he has delivered in every Dreamgate match so far. I thought the Yamato match was excellent and a great way to close the year. Um, with a big surprise win, he just he looked awesome in, in, in victory. I thought the uh, big Boss Shimizu match was incredibly exciting and dramatic and really well done. And then the Takashi Yoshida match, like, I mean, it, it had a ceiling. But it hit that ceiling. Um, it was as good as a Kai versus Big Boss Shimizu match could be for sure. Um, and Kai was good in it. So, like, I have had no qualms with this Kai Dreamgate reign so far. And I love Susumu. I love the idea of him getting this title shot coming off the KS retirement. I think it works really well. I think it's good timing. I didn't see it coming, but I love it. However, I'm so conflicted about the results of this match. Um, if I was 50-50 on the Big Boss Shimizu match, I blame you guys for that. You riled me up into thinking Shimizu might win. And it made for an extremely exciting viewing experience, not being spoiled and, and not knowing who was going to win that because I really did think it was going to go either way. If it's possible to be even more even somehow than 50-50 than I am here because if it wasn't for the steps, I'd be so far in the Susumu corner thinking he'd win. Um, if this was just a straight title match with no steps, I'd be like, yeah, Susumu's winning. He's holding the belt going into world. and I'd be very confident in that. However, these damn stipulations are just so specific in their nature that I'm like, why would they why would they do this? Why would they even introduce stipulations if they weren't planning on going with them? And like I said, they're just such specific stipulations as well. Like that he has to leave vibes uh, a stable which just got a new member that Susumu is never really fit in greatly in terms of the presentation. He obviously fits with them as a wrestler and works really well with those guys in matches, but just the general tone of the group he hasn't really fit in with. Um, and then the, the name change thing, again, it's very specific. You, you see Mizaki Mochizuki, kind of as we talked about earlier, having been on the sidelines for, for so long, not doing anything hugely important, and you think maybe there's a double Mochizuki unit that could be the answer to our um, question of, of what was going to happen to all these unaffiliated guys that we currently have. A double Mochizuki-headed unit makes a lot of sense. You could even say it's like a Susumu as the lead guy in the unit with Mochizuki as his as his sort of senior lieutenant, and it would be Susumu's first chance to lead a stable. I think I'd be right in saying. Um, so 
God, there's a lot of reason to make you think Kai is going to win because of that. But at the same time, I just don't see Kai holding this title going into Kobe World. So all that said, I'm just massively conflicted. I don't know how this is going to go, but I do think it's going to be a very good match. Um, do you have any more of a feel for what way they're going to go on this one? Do you, do you think there is a chance those stipulations were just put out there as a red herring? Um, or are you like me thinking, you know, there there's obviously a reason why they choose those? I, I'm of a couple minds. Uh, I, I'm with you that usually Dragon Gate, they will have some stipulations in matches that just don't happen, but usually that's with the cage match. So it would be okay to not expect the, the Yamato to get kicked out of his unit and have to make be made to do his entrance in a bathrobe like there's stuff like that that happens that's fine but this one there's stakes here uh i guess like my mindset is if susumu loses the the double mochizuki and hey i mean kanda is still around that's m2k we could be getting a revival of M2K after all this long. Yeah, if you want to, go uh, to, be, to be honest, I think if you're going to do it and you wanted it to feel like a Susumu-led unit for the first time, I, I, I think you want to avoid M2K. M2K. I think yeah. you want to. I don't think you do any of the M2K throwbacks. I think you keep Kanda out of there. Um, I think you bring in young guys like Strong Machine J, maybe. Well, Kakuda. maybe not him because you want him to be with Ada. Kakuda seems like a perfect fit. Um, a, cu- a couple of other of the the new class, uh, a couple of those guys. Fujiwara could be in there. Um, mm. You know, it's it it seems like a because they've waited. They seemingly have just been waiting for something with a lot of these unaffiliated guys, and and this could be the something. Yeah, and it's something with natural vibes. I mean. This is their second run with Natural Vibes and never ended the first time. They are the oldest unit in Dragon Gate right now. So you can see the logic being like, okay, this could be like the start of the end of Natural Vibes. And it, it's something that if you create, include the time before the Generation War, it's a long-tenured unit. You, you're able to kind of wrap it up there. And this would be a good starting point of it. But Kai uh, being I'm not, Dragon I'm Gate, not sure I'd... I'd see that coming i think natural vibes still has a lot of steam left in it i just don't necessarily think susumu adds to that steam i think i think they still go forward um this i think they still follow the same path forward whatever they are going to do whether susumu is or isn't with them i don't think he makes that much of a difference to vibes i think vibes makes more being in or not in vibes makes more of a difference to susumu than Susumu makes to vibes, if that makes sense. No, that's entirely fair. I mean, he's the one who does dance well. That, that That's his gimmick within Natural Vibes and within his career. I just kind of look at it as, all right, maybe you get two or three units out of the great unaffiliated masses, and you know, if they decide that uh, Natural Vibes has reached its end, you, you could get more out of that than just Susumu leaving and the general unaffiliated thing. So so that's like my only kind of thing about the stipulation there. Kai as champion, I've liked Kai as champion. This uh, the, this pay-per-view has always felt like the natural conclusion for his title run. But then as you mentioned, like then you have to have Susumu's stipulation there. So it goes from a no-doubter title change to 
I don't know if I'm 50 50. I, I, I'm still trying to make heads or tails of this, of this with the stipulation, but Kai being champion after this, they would have to do a title switch right after uh, King of Gate, which they've done before, if they don't want Kai to then enter Kobe World as champion. Like the, there's old, just not... the old break a uh, break in case of emergency Yoshino title match right. and like yeah. around the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, exactly that. Like like they've done it before, and it's always been Yoshino who's been the one who's done that. By the way, but it, it, here here here's something um to to muddle your thoughts even more, Mike. Do you think there's a chance that Susumu wins the title and then? gets on the mic after the match and says, presented with these stipulations, it led to him doing a lot of thinking. And he realized that actually for him to move forward as Dreamgate champion, it's best for him to forge his own path with a new unit. And he's voluntarily stepping away from natural vibes and to cement this and to make it to have that line of separation he's also going to change his name to susumu mochizuki and he wants to get the blessing of mazaki mochizuki to do so um because of course it was mazaki mochizuki beating him in 2003 that led to him or 2002 i think that led to him not being able to use uh that name anymore so he asked Mochizuki to give him the blessing to do this without a stipulation enforcing it. Mochizuki says, sure. And then they shake hands and then they vow to fight together and to lead the way for a new generation and they start recruiting. Could you see something like that playing out um, uh, coming off this show? Because it does feel like two stipulations that... I talked about how specific they were earlier. It also feels that they're interesting in the fact that neither stipulation is something that it feels like Susumu would be altogether too bothered by. <laughs> you know, like if right. I was gonna if I was gonna suggest stipulations to ruin Susumu Yokosuka's life, these probably wouldn't be the two I'd be going with. You know, I think I'd probably choose something like you must give me your sewing kit and um, you're no longer allowed to take photos of your cats. And that's that would brutal. feel, that would, yeah, that's brutal. It would feel like a serious punishment to him. <laughs> yeah, like, like that's the thing is like the, the, the stipulation is so reasonable in the auspices of the dragon system that like I totally buy the idea that he wins the title and decides to take the stipulations even after winning and having that Mochizuki contra Mochizuki moment with Mochi, I think is one of those things that Dragon Gate loves to do when they can, you know, just this is a company that loves doing the nods for the old heads. So I could see them doing that. And I think that would be a very fun way to kick off the hot season that the scenario presented that, that, that Susumu goes independent as champion reverts back to his old name it seems like that him and mochi are reuniting i, I the, the, that provides like an interesting kind of stake there as we move into king of gate season and i think that'll be a really fun way to end a show in the old i forgot that sometimes it was called dolphins arena until you brought it up there one of my favorite arena names in all of japan 
Yeah, it's it's a good one. Um, fortunately, we're getting uh, no sow on the show and not super dolphin, uh, or super dolphin for that matter. Um, it'd be always nice to see them. As a super a super dolphin ever worked the Tori Umon or Dragon Gate show? I I don't think their paths crossed, and they wouldn't have crossed by the time that they were doing the Dragon Gate uh, Osaka Pro thing in 2010. Yeah, yeah. No, he wasn't around. That seems like a real shame. Yeah, that seems like a real moss miss opportunity, but th- they do have, of course, Mill Mongoose around every once in a while. So this, this, that's is, okay. this is true. Um, yeah, I'm gonna be really feeling myself, Mike, if it does play out like I suggested there. <laughs> um, I think that's. Uh, uh, no, I think if if it pans out like that, I will feel like quite the prognosticator. But I'm actually I I had considered that before talking about this with you, and now that I've kind of laid out that scenario. I think I'm moving more towards 60-40 for a Susumu win. I like that. I like that a lot. If, I mean, that's if, what, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, that's what Open the Voice Gate does. We kind of talk ourselves into different things than when we come on air. If, if Susumu wins, how would you like to use him for the two title matches at, at World? I'm trying to remember, when I had Jay on my show, the Jay scenario for... His his dream scenario for the Dream Gate at World was that something we had on air, or it might have been an off air conversation. I think that was an off air thing. I know Jay has talked, and Jay and I are kind of in agreement and wanting thinking that this is the summer of Ata coming out of this. Yeah, so he suggested that it would be on the first night, with it being the Ultimo um, tribute show. You do kind of a a nostalgia match. And you do Susumu versus Dragon Kid, Ultimo's um, you know, first generation uh, um, protege in, in Dragon Kid going for the Dreamgate and, and having a Dreamgate match against his rival, Susumu. Um, and, you know, they'd have a really good match against each other. Be uh, Just, yeah, there's really not much you can complain about with Susumu versus Dragon Kid. And then... On the next night, you'd have Susumu defend against whether it's Ada or KZ or whoever you want to win King of Gate and, and emerge from Kobe with the with the title. So, um, I loved that scenario. I think you could also do that with Susumu versus Mochizuki if you wanted to maybe do the uh, the scenario we talked about, and uh, but maybe have it be the the. Brian Danielson, uh, John Moxley, uh, uh, I need to bleed with you before I uh, team with you uh, type deal where uh, Mochizuki says, yeah, we'll make a stable, but you got to give me a crack at that title on uh, uh, Kobe World. And uh, Susumu says, sure. And uh, I don't think anyone would be complaining about Susumu versus Mochizuki at Kobe World Hall. Um, And I think I, I like those ideas because I think having a nostalgic um nostalgic's too much of a a word making it feel like it's a relic but like a, a tribute to the past type match with guys that can still go on one night and then you're looking to the future looking to the now match the next night i think that works so much better than the stuff New Japan have been doing with their Tokyo Dome double dash main event, whatever they, they call it. I, I, it provides so much more um, intrigue, I, I think. And I, 
yeah, I'd, I'd really like to see them do something like that. I think Susumu is the perfect guy to, to do it with because you know he's going to give you two great matches. So why not? Yeah, why not? And I mean, he is like, he's someone that even like, the, the, there was, and I don't know if you saw any of this, there was a little bit of outcry about the stipulation thing that this would be his step towards the end. But like Mark Henry, if if Susumi Yokosuka reverts to Susumu Mochizuki and leaves natural vibes, like Mark Henry, there's still a lot of gas in the tank there of Susumu. I'm not too concerned about that. No, but him neither. him having two matches on up top uh Kobe World and you know with, with the man who has a move named after Kobe World, it just feels appropriate. And it feels like the kind of thing that Dragon Gate loves, you know? Yep, and they they busted out said move last year uh, in the Twin Gate match on one of the nights at, at Kobe. So, um, uh, oh, oh, Pudge is well aware because I jumped out of my seat screaming <laughs> "World Liner," <laughs> and waking up the poor poor young man because you know uh, when you see when you see Dragon Kid and Susumu in a ring and Kobe World Cannon Hall, you think World Liner, and that happened, and I hope it happens many times in the future, man. Indeed, indeed. But yeah, what a what a card! I, I think I am so excited for this card. I'm I'm buzzing to watch it. Uh, it's it's one of these ones where I'm just so invested in the outcomes and I'm so invested in how different guys look and and how they perform, how they uh, what route they go with their characters. Uh, it's I'm so interested in all those things that I, I'm not even really thinking about, like. Uh, restrictions or atmosphere or things like that so that in and of itself is the proof of how dragon gate has just excelled more than any other promotion during this period um they've done all the right things and then this show and the feeling like this feeling right now previewing this show is the proof in the pudding of what dragon gate has done in the last two years and i think they're so well set up for coming out of this and and going into King of Gate, um, which uh, we, uh, we're we very excited about the lineup for, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, before we got out of here, I wanted to get your King of Gate thoughts. We'll be starting with that on May 11th in Tokyo Cork and Hall. 32 men, Alan. Uh, it is the largest King of Gate field in history. They've, they're sticking with the knockout, and we are not having any sort of second chance Dragon uh, Rumble here. So... You lose and you go home here. 32 of Dragon Gate's wrestlers to, dis- to discover who wins. The LEC Barrison presents King of Gate 2022 Dragon Gate's number one championship. And When, when uh, was the last straight-up knockout King of Gate? Was it 2006, or did they have another one more recently than that that I'm completely forgetting? They've had one since then, I am certain. Uh, but it's something that, you know... When Ultimo came back, they kind of brought back some of the trappings there. I mean, like they did the Dragon Rumble when they did a block play <laughs> version in 2020 so or 2019. So it, it's something that looking, I'm right now just uh, just scanning through quickly this. Like they went to a block play. Okay, so 2015 was the last uh, pure knockout, uh, no buyback tournament. Okay, interesting. Um yeah, uh, it's I I like that they're doing it this way. I think they have enough roster depth that, like, look if if you were to put all 
the guys would want to see in this tournament into a round robin situation um you'd need to tack on another month for it because it would just take so long to get through um but by having it be knockout we obviously can get through it a lot quicker but we also get enough good matches because like the 16 matches in this first round and at least 12 of them are really exciting and interesting and then as you go through the tournament i think pretty much every match will be exciting and interesting so we're gonna get we're gonna get bang for our buck here with this thing yeah and with the advent of the dragon gate youtube channel being used for digests we'll 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 most assuredly see more of this tournament tournament than we ever have before i mean don't really have to worry too much about that old gay or schedule now alan when they can just put stuff up on youtube if it's not being taped for gay aura so i'm hoping some of the, i'm hoping that this will be the most complete uh king of gate that one can watch but uh i was hoping before we got out of here alan to see your big takes coming into this tournament i mean i'm calling for the summer of Ada. jay is calling for the summer of Ada. who do you think will be dragon gates number one championship yeah, I I feel Ata or KZ are going to emerge victorious here. Obviously, they can't meet in the final because they're both on the same side. So I'm I'm gonna go with Ata to emerge. Uh, I think he might beat KZ in the semifinals. Um. Or are they scheduled to meet in the quarters? Let me just double check quarters. here. Yeah, they'd be quarters. So I think he might come true. I think both those guys make it as far as the quarters. And I think Ada comes through that big match. Because I just think of the two, it's more Ada's time, right? It feels more like Ada's time right now than KZ's. Ada's so over. It's ridiculous. KZ won the tournament last year. So I, I there's so many guys winning this tournament would mean a lot for the... I don't know about giving it to the same guy two years in a row. Which if, would be the first time ever in yeah, Dragon System yeah, history, even getting back to El Numero Uno. There's not very many repeat, there's no repeat winners, and there's not very many multiple time winners of El Numero Uno and King of Gate. Like, Eita winning would make him, I think, third with him, Mochizuki, and Yoshino. J- just so people get context mm-hmm. for what, what we're talking about. And then. If Ada's getting to the final from that right-hand side, from the left-hand side, I think with the storyline momentum that he has, I think they're going to go all the way with Jason Lee. And I think Jason Lee is going to cut through the field here. I think Jason Lee gets that spot in the final opposite Ada. I think that's a super fresh, super exciting match for the final. I think those are two guys that could have a extremely memorable king of gate final so i'm putting my money down on ata versus jason lee with ata winning and uh yeah that's 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 where i'm thinking now as i look at yeah those two guys have great chemistry too you remembering the uh, the really fun uh five on five war that red and masquerade had and the uh the final match being Jason and Ata was something special there. So I, I like that a whole lot. Jason does have a fun route and possible to get there. His first round is against Benke. 
So like that that that's a he has a lot of tough outs to get through because he has Benkei and then he would probably face Daya in the second round <laughs> and that just gets him into the quarterfinals and, and the other half the other part of that that bracket has SP Kento Kakuta. Well, and I think SP Kento's going out. I think uh, Kakuta's winning that. So I think uh, I like that. Um, I could see, I could see Kakuta getting getting as far as the quarters being a good return for him. Um, like I, if if Ada's getting to the final, I see whoever he's against being a a fairy tale story type guy. Um, someone who hasn't been there before. So I could see it maybe being a Kakuda. I could see it maybe being a Dragon Daya. But Jason Lee is the one that fits that billing that I think I'm most feeling right now. But I, I don't see it being someone like... Um, who else is on that side to draw? Um, uh, Kamei. Kamei, I don't, just don't see getting there. Um, uh, in terms of like... I'm talking like in terms of like the more season... I don't see it being a seasoned guy like a Ben K or a Kai... Um, I I don't think any of them are gonna. If if it is Ada in the final, I don't see any of them matching up with him. Um, I think it's gonna be one of the uh, the it's gonna be someone where you can uh, you get behind them in the final versus Ada, but Ada proves himself as like the dominant guy in spectacular fashion and gets a big win where he looks like he looks like a really uh, a real top guy going into um his push for the Dreamgate. So, um, look, it, there's a million ways they could go here. As I'm looking at the brackets, I'm kind of eyeing things up and thinking of all kinds of different ideas and and runs they could put people through. Um, big big boss Shimizu, will that injury? maybe take him out and does that change things up because he's against Takashi Yoshida and I would have expected him to win there but maybe maybe he can't go so maybe that's or maybe he can only go for one match and then they have to just have him lose to get him out so you know it, it's interesting but the, it, they're very much putting on um, uh, on Corgan the first night they're really putting out some strong matches that's going to be a really interesting show and I think uh it's it's hard to pick. I think it's going to be a lot easier to pick the results of those matches on the first night in Corkin after we see King of Gay or after we see Dead or Alive. I think the results of Dead or Alive will really tell us about how a match like Kai versus Shuji Kondo will go. I think it will tell us a lot about how SB Kento's match goes. Um, obviously, Hip Hop Kakuda, like if he just gets treated like a, a J Brown in his return match, if he, you don't see him beating SP Kento then a few days later. Um, in case, and uh, I don't, I, I might not be, I might be putting words in your mouth here, Mike. Um, I can't remember what you said, but I know Case was all in thinking Yuki Yoshioka was a lock to beat Yamato. I don't feel anywhere near that confident about that. I'd like to see it. It's what I'm hoping for, but I would still make Yamato the favorite in that one. And then Ada versus Shun, which is obviously a uh, if Ada is if it is going to be summer of Ada, he's going to have to start with a big win here against like the guy who's been the the focus of the the shows all year. So um, that's a huge match. Yeah, you mentioned Shuji Kondo. That's the person that I think is going to be the big bracket buster in this tournament because. 
you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get a sense of if he could beat Kai from Dead or Alive, but then his next round match would be the winner of Kamei and Maria, so yeah. that's pretty much just locking Come him into the quarterfinals right yeah, there. Absolutely. So, and, and I'm really clamoring at least to see if we can roll back the clock with uh, Shuji Kondo. If he's not going to do it in King of Gate, then let's just permanently put him in Rec League, which is fine, which is totally fine, but I would like to see that at least for one month to see if we could really get the Untamed King Kong back out there. And that's what I'm hoping for with this, but it's going to be a whole lot of fun uh, when that thing kicks off next Wednesday in Cork and Hall as Dragon Gate has this insane May schedule, Alan. It's going to be hot and heavy. If you haven't subscribed to the Dragon Gate Network, Alan, I know you already have, but for listeners, this is the time because as, as of a recording, there was a Kyoto show this morning there's one tomorrow and then there's dead or alive and it just goes from there it's it's the hot season and we're here for it indeed we are and uh maybe we'll have to switch to uh a nice cold brew tea mike uh, to get Ooh. through this hot season man i i as a southerner i do love iced tea but at, but being a southerner i also detest this thing in the states we call sweet tea it is the most disgusting drink one could have alan this is when they make like a big pot of black tea for iced tea <laughs> and then they pour in as much sugar until oh. the, until the tea can no longer absorb sugar oh no that's that's that does not seem good i i get these little things um you can get these little jars of uh these tea bags they're like cold tea infusion things and they're all nice flavors and uh, you just drop them into your water bottle you shake that thing up, leave it five minutes, and then you got a nice, uh, uh, cold um, uh, tea to drink. It's uh, I'm a big fan of them. I, I go with the what's the one I go with? Green tea, pineapple, and ooh, coconut is the is uh, my flavor of choice. I I mean sometimes you you've got to get the uh, getting the tropical flavors with green tea. That sounds delightful. Yeah, no, I don't touch the sweet tea. It, I, um, I, I had braces on my teeth. I, I'm not risking with anything else after that. But it's just one of those things that you know. Occasionally, w- when we talk, Alan, I like throwing out weird American uh, cuisine and drinks that I know that the rest of the world probably would find disgusting. And sweet tea, in my opinion, definitely is one of them. But Alan, it's been an absolute blast co- having you on here. Coming on, uh, was there anything you would like to plug before we got out of here? Well, Mike, it is always my pleasure to uh, to join you and or Case on on your shows or my show. It's always great to talk to you guys. I've had a blast uh, as I always do, and um, yeah, great to great to preview a show that as people could tell hearing me talk about. It, I'm very excited about. It. I would I'm I'm taping this quite late at night here in in Ireland, and um we did just have an incident with our home improvement a couple of nights ago which involved uh our um our guy who was here staying late and doing unexpected drilling at 11 p.m while we were downstairs he started drilling upstairs and the neighbors were in a shot in uh ringing the bell and uh so i'm just being kind of careful to be a, a little quieter than i might usually be but that is not a sign of uh lack of excitement i am very very much excited for uh this dragon gate show and i hope uh, if my maybe my um volume didn't tell you uh that i would hope my uh, uh my words and my uh thoughts about the show 
uh, convinced you that I am indeed very excited for the 6th of May, Dead or Alive, Dragon Gate, pay-per-view, Dragon Gate Network. Cannot wait for it. It's going to be a blast. So much I'm excited to bet on this card. Um, but yes, you can indeed uh, follow me at Alan4L on Twitter. Um, uh, my main thing to plug is, of course, as always, ProRes Paradise at PW Torch. And um, I think, I'm not sure which will end up going up first, but uh, very in very similar uh, time frame, uh, I will have Mike joining me on my show, where we will do a slightly different style uh, discussion about Dragon Gate going into this show. Um, look, I'll be honest, for you Dragon Gate hardcores, open the voice gate listeners, it may not be a show that's telling you anything you, you don't need to know, but Mike is going to help me with the, getting across the excitement levels of Dead or Alive to maybe a fan who isn't as well-versed in Dragon Gate that might be a, a PW Torch subscriber. And uh, I'll be talking about some of the other highlights of uh, Golden Week in Japan because there's some other interesting stuff to talk about. So I'll be doing that um, uh, as well as the discussion with Mike about, about Dragon Gate where we won't be going as in-depth as we did here, but we will be hitting some of the, the high-level notes and getting some of Mike's overarching thoughts about Dragon Gate right now in 2022. So at the start of this show, you kind of got my overarching thoughts about Dragon Gate. On my show, you're going to get Mike's. So I'll be uh, over at ProRes Paradise. But I, I will say that if there is a show that I did that for you Dragon Gate hardcores have to listen to, it is the show I did with Jay a couple of weeks ago on the history of the Dragon System in Cork and Hall. We went nearly three hours. We branched off into so many different side discussions. It was one of my favorite shows I've done. Jay was fired up on this show. We got into some really interesting uh, chats. And um, yeah, I learned so much. I, I think anyone would. Well, it was much like uh, Jay's great appearance on Open Voice Gate recently, talking about KNS, he was just dropping knowledge um, on there. It, it was a blast to record. And yeah, I, I was very happy with how all my um, Cork and Hall anniversary show series, uh, tribute series, um, turned out. We did three of them um, celebrating 60 years of Cork and Hall. And they're all up there at PW Torch VIP with all the other exclusive content to torch vip subscribers so there is my long and winding long-winded uh plug so thank you mike for giving me the opportunity oh i i have to say i i was out in la a few weeks ago landed in la lost my phone and one was the few things i added onto the burner phone i had that weekend i made sure to download the <laughs> jay and alan episode on a, a pro rest paradise and uh, yeah, I, if there's any, there's nothing I can say other than my full-throated endorsement. I mean, getting to hear about Jay's first ever cork and show cracked me up. Like that, that, that that's something that sticks with you. So, if if you aren't already subscribed to Pro Wrestling Torch VIP, I'm a subscriber. It is so much fun, especially Alan's uh, Pro Wrestling Paradise. So be sure to check that out. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back later this week with Case, and we'll be reviewing this dead or alive show so it's the hot season in dragon gate get locked in thanks for listening we'll be back with you next time take care